Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Today I will be reading from the book Imagine Heaven by John Burke. Near-death experiences, God's promises, and the exhilarating future that awaits you. Life after life. George Ritchie did claim to see much, much more when we will explore in the following pages. Beauty surpassing Earth's favorite vacation destinations. People alive and active in a world not unlike ours. Yet so infused with such exhilarating love, purpose, and belonging that it made Earth seem merely a shadow of the real life to come. As the loving being of light sent him back after the tour of another dimension, George said, From the loneliest moment of my existence, I had leaped into the most perfect belonging I had ever known. The light of Jesus had entered my life and filled it completely. And the idea of being separate from him was more than I could bear. After being clinically dead for nine minutes, George found himself back in his earthly body, but with a sheet over his head. Dr. Francis signed and notarized a statement of his death that George would later produce whenever he talked about his experience. Several years later, George and his friends were driving back to Texas from Virginia. George had never driven through Vicksburg, Mississippi, yet he began to recognize it. He insisted that the driver follow his directions, leading them right to the red-roofed all-night cafe with the Paps Blue Ribbon sign in the window. George had indeed been to this very place, but somehow from another dimension of reality. In return from tomorrow, he says, I have no idea what the next life will be like. Whatever I saw was only from the doorway, so to speak, but it was enough to convince me totally of two things from that moment on. One, that our consciousness does not cease with physical death, that it becomes, in fact, keener and more aware than ever. And two, That how we spend our time on earth, the kind of relationships we build, is vastly, infinitely more important than we can know. After this life-altering experience, George finally made it to medical school, worked for 13 years as a medical doctor, and eventually formed what would be the precursor to the Peace Corps at age 40, George Ritchie earned his doctorate in psychiatry. Years later, Dr. Raymond Moody heard Dr. Ritchie lecture at the University of Virginia about his experience. Moody had never heard of such a thing, but had studied Plato's work on immorality while getting his Ph.D. in philosophy. Dr. Moody began having his philosophy students read theories on post-mortem survival and found to his amazement that about one out of every 30 students came up to report something similar to Dr. Ritchie's story. 
Moody started collecting these accounts and in 1975 coined the term near-death experience. Publishing his findings in the international in the international bestseller Life After Life, Moody wrote that he hoped his book would shine light on these mysterious experiences which are more common than they may appear. Four years later, I saw Life After Life on my parents' bedside table, and I picked it up. My father was dying of cancer at that time, and even though I didn't have much much interest in God or the afterlife or anything beyond the next party, death's reality was knocking on our family's door. I read the book cover to cover that night, skeptical yet awestruck that so many people had these near-death experiences. Moody had interviewed hundreds of people who had stories of a near-death experience. While no two stories were identical, many shared common core traits. Moody described what was commonly reported, which generally followed a certain sequence. It begins with a dying man or woman reaching a climax of intense physical anguish, even hearing the attending physician announcing his death. Immediately, he finds himself no longer in his physical body, yet often still in his immediate surroundings, he is now merely observing his own body from a distance and even witnessing efforts to resuscitate his body. At first, he's confused and and unaware that he has died, but shortly he becomes somewhat adjusted to this new state of being. He takes note that he seems to still have a body, but one that's very different than his previous physical body in nature and ability. Eventually, others also show up to offer support in various ways. He sees the spirits of deceased family and friends. Then a beam of light appears brighter than the sun who is described as uniquely and supremely warm and loving. This loving being asks questions communicated through thoughts, leading him to examine his actions, often including a living replay of his entire life. Afterward, he encounters some sort of boundary, seemingly the border between earth life as he knows it and eternal life. But at the edge, he discovers he must return to earth because it's not his time to die. He protests. He doesn't want to return due to the powerful feelings of peace, joy, love enveloping him. But even though he is resistant, he finds himself back in his physical body and continues to live. I sat on my bed stunned. After I finished reading the book, I remember thinking, if there's even a shadow of a chance that this is true, I had better find out. Nothing's more important. Funny how it usually takes imminent death or tragedy to think about life in light of eternity But that's what got me willing to explore. Over the next few years, while studying engineering, I also put my analytical mind to work studying about God. I discovered 
There really are good, rock-solid reasons to believe for those who want to find them. Since that time, I've gone from a career in engineering to starting a church for doubters like me because I've become convinced that God loves each of us like no other and that most people are just like I was. They just don't realize how great life with God can be starting in this life, but even more so in the life to come. A boring heaven? I find that most people, whether Christ followers or not, have a horrible view of heaven. At best, it's a cloudy, eternal, disembodied, non-physical experience. Yeah, maybe with love, joy, and no suffering sprinkled in. But if we're honest, we don't really get excited about it. Now I'm going to stop there for a second because I'm the complete opposite. I'm really excited about it. I've read lots of things and God has a lot of things for us when we get to heaven. That's my take. I'm very excited about heaven. Okay, back to the book. We can't imagine actually liking it. At worst, people think of it as an endless, boring church service, singing songs you're not excited about forever. That sounds horrible to me, and I'm a pastor. Okay, again, I'm going to stop. I think about sitting on the bench in a rose garden, talking and having coffee with my friends and my family. And I know it's like a speed of light thing. It's like you thinking you're already across the heavens into another place. I'm excited to meet all the characters, not characters, I guess, but the people in the Bible, the angels, Michael the archangel. I don't get where people think that that's going to be boring. There's so much to do. It's beautiful. We get to meet our family, our pets, people of the Bible. How you think about heaven affects everything in life. How you prioritize love. How willing you are to sacrifice for the long term. How you view suffering. What you fear or don't fear. I'm convinced we can't even begin, but we should try to picture how magnificent, how spectacular, how much fun heaven will be, how much of what we love about this life and more awaits us in eternity. As the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's why I'm excited. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't push our imaginations to the limit trying to understand. For the past 30 years, I've studied the Bible, the major world religions, philosophy, and multitudes of near-death experiences. I've concluded that the core common elements of the near-death experiences are a gift from God to color in the picture revealed by the prophets and Jesus. I'm convinced a main reason many people, Christian or not, live materialistic, self-centered lifestyles in their poor view of the life to come. They can't imagine heaven, so they don't live for it. But all the great heroes of faith 
We're looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Imagining and living in heaven is not optional to God. It's the hope God wants us to hold in our mind's eye. We have the ability to imagine heaven like never before, not only by using our God-given imagination based on scripture, but also our earthly experience because God created this life too. His abode is not less spectacular. And now modern medicine is bringing more and more people back from near death to give exciting details that can color in our picture of heaven and motivate us to live with eternal perspective. That's why I'm writing this book, Loving Life. My hope is that you'll begin to see with this God-given gift called imagination that heaven is not imaginary, but more real than the world we know. Maybe you're skeptical about God in the afterlife or you're not a Christian. In full disclosure, I'm writing as a convinced Christian, but I wasn't always convinced. I will try to show you what the Bible says about heaven and how that lines up with what most near-death experiences report. Not always with that they interpret, but with the core experience they report. I'm not seeking to add content to what the scriptures already teach, but rather help you imagine it. So I've included scriptural references throughout, like watching a movie in high def 3D. Surround sound instead of black and white. You get the same content in a richer sensory experience. Although I'm writing from a Christian worldview, we will also consider the stories of people from their religious perspectives. I hope you'll travel these pages with an open mind, no matter what background, because I'm convinced your creator loves you more than you can imagine. And you will love life with him. Hazeline from Singapore discovered experimentally the truth of this statement, which she blacked out, hit her head, and apparently died. She explains in English, not her native language. I suddenly was in a very dark tunnel going up, up, up. After passing from that very dark tunnel, it has changed to very bright light. I had seen a very bright light. I thought it was the sun, but it wasn't. I don't have an idea where the light came from. Someone spoke to me for a while. I heard and that voice came from the light. You know what I felt when I saw the light? When I saw that bright light, I felt that someone loves me very much, but no idea who it was. I was very overwhelmed with that bright light. And while I was there, I felt love and the love I have never felt before. The light welcomed me very warmly and loves me very much. My words to the light before I revived was this. I want to stay here, but I love my two kids. When I said this, I suddenly woke up. Was it true that the light was God? Reason why I felt overwhelmed, I felt that only that light ever loved me and no one does. 
All people know only to beat me, hurt me, criticize me, offend me, and many more. Nobody loved me like that kind of love before. How I wish my two kids and me could go there and feel that love forever. I hope you become convinced that your creator has crazy love for you, but he won't force himself on you. He gave you a free will. He lets us decide if we will seek to know him and love him back. And you will see, I hope you will at least, take time to discover what modern medicine and those revived from near death experience from near death are revealing. If you consider yourself a Christian, I hope this book gives you a better picture of heaven than you've ever imagined. Jesus implored us not to live for earthly treasures and material junk that won't last, but to live every day with an eye on eternity. C.S. Lewis once said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. In the Western world, we live for retirement. We have a vision, a mental picture in our imaginations of what retirement would be like. A house on a beautiful manicured golf course or maybe in the mountains or on the beach with time to play golf, garden, boat, or do that favorite hobby. And time to spend with the people we love because we can picture it. We will work for it, save for it, sacrifice for it. There's nothing wrong with retirement, but it only lasts a few decades at best. What if we became people who have a vision for the ultimate life to come? What if it's true that this life is merely a tiny taste on the tip of our tongues of the feast of life yet to come. What if heaven is going to be better than our wildest dreams? And what if how you live really does matter for the life to come? That would change how we live, work, love, sacrifice, wouldn't it? That's what I pray will happen for you as you get a clearer picture of heaven. But first, what evidence is there that these near-death experiences are not just hallucinations or the last flicker of a dying brain. What convinced so many skeptical medical doctors? Let's find out.